You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with a listener-submitted guest of the podcast. He has taken preservation not only of his local history, but his personal history to the next level and would put some people in our area to shame. He's a tattoo artist, family man, and family historian. Welcome to the show, Josh Yaney of Bramble and Stag Tattoo Parlor. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thanks. We, we had a little bit of a Zoom kerfuffle this morning uh, because you and I are both in professions that don't require Zoom meetings. All three of us are. This is true. That'd be weird if you did. Jill's a nurse. <laughs> I can't yeah, nurse be real from weird. afar and be like, take the needle and slowly <laughs> insert it. Right. Nope. Over. Yeah, over. Right there. You're going to feel this weird noodle in your arm. You want to hit the Very the specific noodle. instructions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very specific. Yeah. So it was the first time I had to use Zoom was during uh, lockdown. And we had a shop meeting. Did you lock down in your state as well? I know Michigan's been kind of a... Yeah, in the spring. I want to say like late March to early June. Or yeah, that's where, yeah, that's about where we were too with yeah. that. It was interesting. Definitely was something I don't want to repeat again. I hated it right away. And then I kind of started to like it. And then I felt like towards the end, it was like an existential crisis. Like, like what is my purpose in this world? Yeah. <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was uh, that was where we were at. I was at with it because I was like, do I go back to this? Do I go back to that? And then I just put a ton of flower beds at my house. I just started digging out the yard. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Yeah. I walked around a lot. I don't know. Well, and then you have little ones too, right? You have one I do. or two. Yep. They're, uh, I have two and they're four years old and two years old. Oh, Ooh. busy. That's a busy so, yeah, time. they're kind of wild. And I was thankful for um, just like I would have never gotten that time at home with my son. Sure. On yeah, a regular we, year. We have like a family camp and stuff. So we are going up there like almost like every day, you know, and just to go for a walk. Not mm -hmm. we walked around like by our house. And then it's like, how many times can I walk the same stupid street? <laughs> so then we just started walking around in the woods and right. then it got cool. You know, it started to warm up and everything. So. That was yeah. That's a perfect time to go adventuring when yep. you have no time schedule. Looking for mushrooms and stuff, you know, yeah. morales and I don't know. Well, because you live, so you're in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, correct? Yeah. Which what is the temperature like there? Is it a lot colder than just a little bit further south? Um, it. I don't know how to answer that question because <laughs> it seems like sometimes we get a ton of snow mm -hmm. and it it is cold here. But then like a little bit like more south, they're not right on the lake. So it's actually like colder there, mm -hmm. but no, not as much snow. Yeah, I would. That's so kind of kind of weird. Yeah, because you would think, I mean, you're closer to Canada than we are. Right. But we I have... think at that point, it's not even like a north or south thing. We're kind of like shelf, like the temperature of the lake has to do with uh, the temperature of Lake Superior has to do with the temperature of like mm -hmm. where we're at. 
So I can yeah. see that it acts like your your giant blanket from winter. There's science involved. There <laughs> is a lot of science involved yeah. in that. Yes, and well, that's we'll leave that to the experts. Because... That works. Do your own, <laughs> do your own research. I know. You well, guys I grew know up. I'm born and raised in Idaho, but I have family that is from Michigan. Okay. Um, my dad's family is still there. I'm and I'm not sure what town, so don't ask me. But um, so we have the Michigander thing that runs through my lifeline too, and I think they just had to move somewhere that's equal snow wise, but not sure. humidity wise. Yeah. Because we get a ton of snow here, where we live. Which I really hope we don't this year. You don't want it this I'm year. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> we got a little skiff the other day before Thanksgiving, and it's kind of stuck around. You Do know, you guys have any snow yet? It snowed here like mid-October, I want to say. And then it's like had a couple days where it's warmed up to 40. So it's just kind of ugly out. Like it doesn't look like Christmas or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like spotty snow and like brown and dead trees. So Yeah. Yeah. The third, the fourth season of yeah. where we're yeah. at. Well, you so you were born and raised in Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. So do you live in your hometown now or do you... Are you a hometown adjacent? Basically, uh, so the whole area is made up of tiny little towns that are like lined up along highways and roads and stuff. So it's sort of, I don't know, a hamlets right, or right, whatever, right, right. you know. Um, so basically, I count the whole area as like it's called the Copper mm-hmm. Country, and that's kind of the whole northern tip of the Upper Peninsula. So right now, I live in a town called Tri Mountain, if you want to call it a town. And then that's like five miles from Houghton, which is where my shop is. I'm from Hancock, which is just on the other side of the Portage Canal. Yeah. So I don't know. It's... Yeah, basically I'm from the same. <laughs> that's how it town. is where we are too, yeah. because it's very, it's really rural. Okay. It's a lot of agriculture. So you have the little towns yep. along the way. And if you cross one street, you're in the right. next town. Right. If you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. So like my hometown is like seven miles from where I'm from, which is smaller. We live in one of the bigger cities in Idaho. It's like 50 or 60,000 okay. people according to the last census. That's yeah. Huge. So it's, it's a uh, yeah. compared and it's growing every year, but the town I'm from is 4,000 people. And then it gets even smaller okay. the further you go. And yeah, that's more like what we're, what we're at. I think I want to say Houghton, Houghton Hancock is probably, this could totally be made up, but like maybe like ten or fifteen thousand. There's colleges here too, so it has to do with like when mm-hmm. college is in and oh, out. Yeah. But, yeah, it probably it fluctuates. That's how um the the town I went to school in, Pocatello, is like that. It's small outside of yeah. the university. Yeah. And then it gets the surge. And you have I um have a strong family tie to where I'm from. My family immigrated from Sweden four generations ago, so 120 plus years ago, to sure. an area in Shelley, and they homesteaded in an area that should not have been farmland. It was all lava rock, and they had to clear it with oxen. And you have a super strong family tie to your area. When sure. so, where yeah. did your family immigrate um, from? Did they immigrate? They came from. Well, it's like I got a lot of different nationalities, I guess, but I think mostly like German and like French Canadian, some English is in there, whatever. But most of like what I followed is like mostly German that I'm like working on right now that I've been focusing on, I guess, because I'm so scattered. Are you doing your family history? Like, are you chronologically like going through all that right now? 
I started doing that when I was like 12 and it got to be so weird. And I just had like unorganized notebooks <laughs> filled up with like shit <laughs> that like I kind of just put them aside and decided to focus on very small parts. And instead of like having a broad spectrum of very little knowledge, I decided to kind of focus in on some stuff and almost like be able to like I want to tell a narrative mm-hmm. more than just no information like I kind of want to feel like I know these people versus just like names yeah. and dates yeah I'm on that same you know uh playing field and I think Jill is too because mm-hmm. I it's one thing to look through family history and be like oh I recognize that name I recognize this but when you know like hey I know that that guy wrecked his car into the river and had four horses in the back like to have those right. stories to go along with it. And you are fortunate to have a lot of family history in one area to kind of dig through. Yeah. Yep. And it's almost like as soon as it leaves this area, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'm done. Uh, everything's here. It seems kind of like easy to get. All I most of the time have to do is like do it, you mm-hmm. know, which sometimes is the hardest part. Like, oh, I have to go to the courthouse and do I want to do that? Right. <laughs> Back to the archives, especially now that it's like, global pandemic time everything's closed or yeah. whatever you know yeah you can't find anything no when well, you had i mean a uh, different little level of research than most kids your dad worked at a university correct yeah he um wasn't like a professor or anything but he was going to school actually so he was doing like work program in the michigan tech archives oh geez. so that was probably when i was like i don't even know 10 11 12 13 years old so i remember one summer i pretty much spent the summer there with him like every day just like digging through vertical files and i am i almost had like free range of the place you know and do you feel like that contributed a lot to your love to like research something oh absolutely yeah because you had such a tangible experience with it yeah and it's almost like i don't even want to go back because i don't have the same acts i don't want to ask people for help it's Mm. like why don't you stand over there and make sure i don't spill my coffee or whatever and i'll just do this stuff you know (laughs) for sure yeah yeah it's um you know, I could spend like a week looking at like the the newspaper reels. I don't remember what they're called or whatever. The oh, oh yeah, I remember. were you able to look through stuff while your dad was looking through stuff, like simultaneously? Yeah, kind of. Um, he would be there, like so. I think what they do a lot of there is people doing just genealogy, you know, and then uh, whoever's like researching stuff for the university obviously come there to look at all the Sanborn maps and everything like that. Um, but I would just show up with him and then I could just get like a pile of stuff and bring it back to my table and, you know, spend three hours looking through it and then put it all back. And he was doing his thing. And then I just like got notebooks and started writing everything down. That's the coolest. So awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I, and I, I was always kind of like a Junie B. Jones like that too, of always having to like, before Google was a thing, figuring out. Mm. like if i saw some weird right. person in the neighborhood i'd be like they definitely murdered somebody let's follow them on our bikes <laughs> absolutely yeah. and i like got like i got i started like compiling it a little bit closer now but like at that time you know um i had the the idea of like the whole like you know indiana jones like dr jones had his grail diary <laughs> yeah. and shit like that yeah. and i'm like i gotta get like my grail diary mm-hmm. you know so like i've got like i had like notebooks started writing stuff down like drawing all the pictures yeah. in the thing because i didn't have any money to make photocopies of the pictures yeah, right so it's just like well did you ever cool. did you ever have those thoughts i know i did of like when i was ever journaling something i'm thinking like 200 years in the future when somebody finds this 
Yeah, I mean, that was a big thing because I'm so into, like, all that old information and old pictures and stuff. And now I've been, like, collecting old photographs. And even if I can't keep them, I've been making scans. I bought a photo printer so that I can make copies of these photos. Nice. And, you know, another branch of that is uh, my other, my grandpa had, like, every photograph ever from our family like in a photo out like there's volumes of photo albums you know so i was like man this stuff is so important i don't know if somebody else like me is going to come along in the future but if they do this stuff has to be here Mm -hmm. you know like it's got to be prepared for them you know yeah i i remember my grandpa my grandpa since passed away um i remember him because i've always been kind of snoopy and Obviously, I do this show because I want to know people's stories because I think they're sure. that's, well, that was the main premise of starting the show was these stories. Uh, this is a little backpedal. I was in an antique study group that obviously hasn't met this year, but they're all older women. They're like 50 years or more older than me. And I would sit and listen to them tell the story about this china that they have or silver or postcards or whatever. And it was always linked to their family. And I was like, sure. their kids don't know these stories. Their families don't know these stories. We're right. we're losing stories as a society, yep. orally. So I was like, we have to start this. And I've always been that kind of researcher mind like you. And my grandfather noticed that, and he was like, "Hey, you're you're responsible of keeping the family history where it needs to be." Right. And I was like, um, "Okay." Yeah, that kind of it's just it goes back to like that like folkloric type of uh, you know even if the st- there's like little weird legends and stuff in my family. And, you know, like my grandpa told them to me, but think of like all the ones that he forgot mm-hmm. and every, you know, and they're gone. They might, they're probably gone forever. Right. Or know? the ones they don't so, tell because they have some little bit of shame aspect to it. Sure. That they yeah. omit kind of details from because it looks kind of bad for them. But re- in reality, right. that what that's what makes the story interesting. Yeah. There's got to be that. You know, like I said before, it's like a narrative, you know, and you need all those little pieces of it. And I don't know, go back to like a third person perspective and write it out. And like, yeah, which I haven't I haven't like written anything out really. But well, it's it's uh, it sounds like and from reading over your email, there's a lot to go through because you have what from the 1800s, basically. <sighs> yeah. Uh, like I want to say like the mid 1800s. Wow. I don't have anything like dates written down in front of me or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like the earliest for sure person that came over was like, so on my mom's side, the last name is Siller. There's like uh, five generations of guys named Edward. Oh, That's <laughs> so the first, Ed- yeah, the first Edward I found came here from Germany <laughs> oh. and his, his father was like a, chemist at the university of moscow or something so i'm assuming at this time was all the like bolshevik stuff going on they're like get the fuck out of here whatever so uh they came over and yeah get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here he said (laughs) yeah exactly um but basically he came i i don't know how he got here but he came to the up then went to milwaukee then went to louisiana learned how to be like a he was a cabinet maker and a carpenter. Then he got into mortuary so he could make his own caskets. <laughs> Probably, I don't he know. Quarter the fucking boat. market. He was like, I got chemistry. Yeah. I got woodworking. <laughs> now I'm just right. going to deal with the dead. Fuck everybody else. 
he sounds like a weirdo and I like him. (laughs) You know, like he probably was just like his I picture his face just being like arresting bitch face. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But really he's just like this jovial dude that likes to learn shit. That could be I'm hoping laughs laughs by himself but scares others, (laughs) you know. He's yes. talking to himself as he's doing all this, and yeah. people just right. people walk in to be like, "Somebody died." They hear the laugh, and they're like, "Negative." Let's go. <laughs> Let's we got to back out of here. <laughs> my family has my grandpa's side of the family has the same recurring thing of the same fucking name. Yeah, like they all have the first name Joseph. So my grandpa's grandfather was Joseph. His dad was Joseph. His brother is Joseph, and he is Joseph. Wait a minute. Yeah, his brother. Yeah, and he is Joseph. Yes, like they were just like, this is a good name. Let's keep using it. It's like a George Foreman thing, yeah. where he like names all his kids George, even the girls. Yeah. So when I was like, before my grandpa passed away, I was talking about you know having kids and stuff. I said, I looked at him and I went, Hey, I'm just gonna let you know now, <laughs> I am not gonna use the name Joseph anywhere. He just See, looks I'm, at me and he goes, You better not. <laughs> I'm the I'm the opposite. Like it was so my this is all on my mom's side. My grandpa only had girls, so like that Edward name stopped. Oh, well, that's and good. I think it's appreciated. I, well, see, I didn't think so. <laughs> I, I, my mom, I think wanted to name me Edward because the last name stopped right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, so at oh, least yeah. there would be like that Edward thing going on. And I don't think my dad wanted me named Edward, so here I am, not Edward. Not Ed- which, whatever, that's it's <laughs> fine. You're not better. It would have been it. cool. But then it doesn't matter anyways, because my my son's name is Hudson. I wanted to name him Edward because I wanted my name to be Edward. She was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're not doing it. That's like my son. He's really pissed what I named him. And he wants to change his name to Raymond. Raymond? Raymond Cortez. Everybody loves what? Everybody loves Raymond. I love that. I don't know. I said, well, when you turn 18, buddy, go ahead. Raymond. I'm gonna make it when he comes in to get his hair cut. And I'm gonna Ray. How you doing? How the hell you doing, Raymond? You gotta go, Raymond Cortez. Though it's Raymond. gonna be the whole. Oh, the whole name. Whole, the full the thing. Full thing. Okay. I mean, what about like like RC? RC. No, no. I tried that. Oh, I tried. All right, all right. So I was like, all right, buddy. Yeah. Way I to think drop I call the a lot of ball. people. I think I call a lot of people by their first and last names, though. Sometimes, just I think it started out as a joke, maybe. Yeah. And now it's just like. Sometimes I do with that. a real sturdy handshake and like yeah. Eye now contact. that you yeah. say that, a lot of people because on my Instagram it's Jill Reyes Huffman, and so I have a few friends that call me that Jill Reyes Huffman. <laughs> Your full Instagram. <laughs> all right, that's like I'm in I trouble. Mean, we, I, just, I think we all have Instagram friends that aren't really our friends, but we just call them by like their Instagram name. Well, we had you know, we like, had our first. uh town like recognition of somebody who doesn't know us by the podcast we went to an estate sale and jill got a cabinet <laughs> no it was the record player I oh bought. was it the record player so yeah. she you put your name on it sold jill right so she went home to and i got truck. there early to get this damn thing mm-hmm. so we were there before the doors open i won and the gentleman that was after us coming to get it goes up to linda the estate sale runner you tell the story I went to go get it, pick it up, and she's like, I just want you to know Sam's really mad at you. And I said, Who's Sam? Thinking me. And she oh. <laughs> I was like, Sam? Me. She's like, No, he came upstairs and he said, Who the hell is Jill? And she just looked at what? him. She's like, Well, you know, Jill from the podcast? 
And he's like, she bought that record player and I want it. And she was like, uh, you could call her and yeah. ask her. Like, but he knew it was the Jill from yeah, the mothball. He, he was Jill. Mothball Jill? We yeah. were like, wait, yes. Mothball. Mothball Jill. Like your, now instead of, that's like your gangster I know. name. Like, now instead of Jill Reyes Huffman, I'm Mothball Jill. Mothball Jill. Mothball Sam. Sam. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's... Whatever. Um, <laughs> As long as you guys smell better than mothballs, I guess. I don't know. We do our best. Sometimes. We, ne- yeah. we, we just smell yeah. like basement today because that's what my basement smells like. <laughs> that's legit. Because it's old. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are very committed to this. It's a yeah, top to bottom commitment. I like that. We have um, the last thing on family names is like my middle name is a family name that's Lithuanian. So people okay. will see like my license name and it's my middle name initial starts with a P. And so people be like, is it Patricia? And they're just like, look at me. And I said, no, it's much worse than that. It's Patrie. Patrie. And it used to be pronounced Patrie, but my mom didn't like it. So she, when she <laughs> named me, was like, we're going to pronounce it different, even though it's been the same for a hundred years. Switch her up a little Switch bit. Switch her yeah. so, That's all right. And it skips a generation. So it's my grandmother has it. And then her mother didn't have it, but her grandmother had it. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm like, all right, I guess we'll stick with that. So then you don't have to name your kid. Petri. My child, I won't say his name on the show, but he has his uh, grandfather's middle name and his great grandfather's uh, first name. So his middle name, his first name is my father-in-law's middle name. Anyways, sure. so like no pressure on who you should yeah. be. My kid's got a doozy. Uh, so his middle name is Edward Joseph. That's my grandpa's name. So we named it after him. We're real close. But then my wife's great grandpa his name was joseph and then her stepdad i want to say they got some kind of middle name being joseph thing too so that joseph Whoa. is like three purposes was yeah. it the only fucking That's name a lot existing of pressure. back then i think so i think there were like five names yeah there probably was a like name. like the ones out of the bible that were like sort of easy to spell <laughs> yeah like they knew what it looked like they were like, like this you, one yeah yeah, that's not like Methuselah yeah. or something. But <laughs> I this feel is like Cthulhu. That one... This starts on Cthulhu. Yeah. I feel right. like, pe- well, nowadays people are naming their children those kinds of names. And it's like, what is We kind of live in the perfect country. Or it's for a that. simple name and then they spell it fucked mm-hmm. up. Yes. You know, like, mm-hmm. like, okay, this is nice and easy. Let's complicate things. Yeah, let's put like a we silent in... J and a K <laughs> yeah. in there. So we live in probably... Mormon country and they are Ooh. notorious for. Jazzing up some names that don't need any jazzing. Sure. It is. Yeah, I had a kid name and his name was um Ireland, but it was like nowhere near spelled Ireland. Yeah. And I was just like, how do you pronounce this? And she's like, Ireland. I was like <laughs> Like the audacity. You should you should be able to sound things out still. Yeah. You know what I yeah. remember when you're in like first grade and they're like sound it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that's now not true at all. You can't do it. You have to like There's- you need a compass and a key and a trickery and like a, <laughs> yeah, the glottal. Which, welcome back to my last name. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, okay, that's true. I knew it was not English. Yeah. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, I it's not a spell it like you say it name. Absolutely not. <laughs> so I got some interesting like telemarketer calls that oh. are like Mr. Jayanig <laughs> and and I'll answer to it, you know, close enough. I've been called worse things, I guess, yeah. but it's whatever. It's fine. Yaney is, which I Yaney. guess if you're in a crowd and somebody yells, Yaney, you know. Yeah, sure. Two things have happened. You've either fucked up or it's an old pal. Right. Two things. Yep. So, okay. So your mother's side was the 
Siller, right? Siller. Yeah. Yep. So, and they have quite a bit of prominence in the town that you grew up in. Yeah, they do or did or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so my, oh, go oh ahead. I was just going to ask where it started. Like, I know there was a dealership and I know there was different things involved there, but where did it start with your mom's side? Yeah. It all started with the whole mortuary guy. And he was—he ended up in Houghton, like around the time of like our founding fathers or whatever. Sure. There's like Ransom Sheldon and all kinds of big wig names, Douglas Houghton, whatever. He was like in the old boys club, let's say. Right. And um, then his kid. Ah, shit. Uh, it's all right. They're not going to listen to the show. They won't. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Come after us. Two generations or so, like later, they there's. It's all copper mining up here, or was. Mm-hmm. Now we're just living in the shadow of what was, more or less. Yeah. Um, and so they owned and ran a boarding house, actually very close to the small town that I'm living in now, ah. coincidentally. Um, and they did that. And then my great-grandpa grew up there. He moved to Hancock with, his, with my great-great-uncle, Mike, and they opened up a hotel and a Buick dealership with a couple other fellas and then that kind of just went on from there and they did that from like I think they had that dealership from like the 1920s or 30s until that he sold it in the 60s wow my uncle Mike died in a car accident in 57 Uh, he raised beagles and he was bringing one to somebody's house and I don't know dead sorry I think the dog lived okay well that's yeah I didn't know him, but he's kind of an interesting fellow, I guess. Well, now I feel like was um, the towns that you live in and are around you, was that their like boom time because of copper mining? Yeah. Uh, then uh, everything kind of shit the bed around uh, like the 20s. There was like a big strike, 1913 strike. There's a whole Woody Guthrie song and all that shit about it. Um, but before that, like mid to late 1800s i i'm not too into like the technicalities of like the mining history it's but okay. i feel like that whole boom time was like i don't know like 30 40 50 years mm-hmm. you know yeah all the mines i think were totally closed here by like the 60s was that because copper mining wasn't as popular or because of safety or like a combination of both Do you uh, know? a lot of stuff i think um in like 1913 the strike was about uh and you could follow this like throughout history and other stuff too like coal mining and everything like when teddy roosevelt came in and kind of started changing some of those like worker rules and you know like eight, the eight hour day and the weekends and stuff um it was just unsafe working practices at i think at that time there's like 50 people dying in a mine like every year God. stuff like that Holy shit. um and there, but there were a lot of mines i'm not saying 50 people is not a small number of people to die but um then so they had that whole strike then they kind of picked up produ- production again i want to say uh-huh. and they overproduced and then world war one ended and they had all this copper laying around so nobody needed it anymore and it you know economical feasibility said we don't it mm-hmm. doesn't cost enough for us to even do this anymore Uh, and that's what we had in the town that we live in currently there was a boom with the gold um there's a lot of gold don't look at me i don't know that history in idaho (laughs) and like my grandpa grew up gold panning like it's still something you can go and do in the creeks here and still find gold yeah but it was it's very similar of there was the and then the town we live in 
at the time when it was be- becoming a very popular town had the main railway station in it. Sure. And so it had this huge boom. And then the railway moved to Pocatello, which is 45 minutes south. And okay. with it took like half the commerce of the town. Yeah. And they had to just like rebuild agriculturally and things like that, which is when they renamed it, I think, to Idaho Falls. But that was um, my I, the only reason I know a little bit more about that is my great grandfather, great great grandfather kept journals. Oh, so he wrote a daily oh, journal. Cool. I'll have to find him. My mom has it on his their computer. So I'll find some excerpts to share. But he just wrote like the daily stuff, like what he had to eat, what the weather was and what his plans were for the day. A journaler. Yeah. And then there's some excerpts that is like he's talking shit. And those are my favorite. Well, <laughs> yeah. And my grandfather was a, he's an author, was an author. And he was the same way of maintaining uh, records of different things. Cool. Yeah. That's like that's a good good person to have. Yeah, it was. It's family, nice, and know. it's made me appreciate uh, found information mm-hmm. a little bit more. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. And you were saying um, in the email that you sent me that your family they moved. Tell me about the house that got moved. Oh yeah. So it's just this is like one of those little legends. I was saying might be true, might be not. I don't know. Whatever. So my uncle Mike that I was talking about before, he's my great grandpa's brother. And um, so apparently there used to be like over in Hancock, there was some kind of little like, I don't know if you'd want to call it like a gambling ring. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, uh-huh. but like, wow, well, who cares? Some about fair, that? Right. They're going <laughs> to. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Just a go with our review on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so in the hotel that my family owned, apparently they had a room upstairs that was like the gambling room. And I don't, let's say once a week, once a month, doesn't matter that um, they would prominent businessmen from the community would meet there and gamble. And my uncle won his camp. That was a house in, so like 30 miles down Lake Superior, he won this in this poker game, had the thing picked up and moved to where my camp is and sat down like next to like our other camp. So there's two camps right next to each other. Supposedly he won this one in a poker game. That's where we stay. And that's like Mike's camp, we call oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah. Where'd you get this fucking Supposed- house, Mike? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I won it. You know. Royal flesh. <laughs> apparently at one of the camps up there there's still like a root like the roulette wheel like hidden in the walls you know oh, i don't see the walls yeah again probably totally made up but i like no but it. i love it no I'm it's here. true yeah i i feel it in my bones my yeah. uh my family in michigan also had some nefarious activity for the time my sure. grandmother on my dad's side her great grandmother no her grandmother was a madam in michigan and she owned a couple of establishments good for her i know i always say that's where i get my business sense from yeah so yeah we have uh there's lots of and those are that's the sad part my grandmother recently passed she passed away this year and she would never retell any of those stories ever oh those are the best i know know. just that's where like where like your real life turns into a western Mm -hmm. or you know you get that like you're like thinking about what's happening and all of a sudden there's like a soundtrack and you can like see things happening Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. My grandfather used to spin tales when we were younger and tell us about growing up in the small town. And like he had a job um, like picking and hanging targets at the shooting alley that was downtown in Shelley. So he would work and then he would go to like the store and buy like a BB gun or fishing line or all that stuff. And he wrote about it. Yeah. It's just fascinating to me. Mm, like That's awesome. And so you collect a lot of this family history, like we've talked about. What, yeah. like, what's your main goal with all of that? Like, do you want to turn it into like a book or? I, I have no goal. Uh, if I made it into a book, nobody'd read it except for me and maybe a couple people in my family. Like, so it's, I don't know. It's almost just like, I think like we were talking about before I got so early on into like the archives that like I've been wanting to create this archive around mm -hmm. myself yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah and i feel like with like some of the items and like the old pictures that like i am i relate more with that like old timiness than i do with our current world mm -hmm. so like the more stuff i feel like i can surround myself with the more comfortable i am you know what i mean like yeah it's sort of pathetic, maybe. No, 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 that's how we found in the community with that's been created around the podcast that that is the common theme with almost everybody okay, we yeah, interview yeah. is Good. there's somebody, somebody has to preserve this somebody because I think a lot of people in our generation, it's getting a little bit better. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm 30, you're 33, Jill's 40. You're not. Oh, not, I am too 40. Did you, okay. I forgot it was a your young, birthday. A young 40. <laughs> a young 40. I would know. It's this year. So um, I feel like there's a certain, there's like half of us care about antiques and history and all those things. And then the other half couldn't leave it faster behind them. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you could probably break those groups into other people. Like there's, I'd love to have like an antique shop or something, but it would never feel like a, a real business, mm -hmm. I guess. Like, I don't know the values of stuff. The, even the concept is insane to me. Like, uh, it's a, like I'll grab stuff when I'm at estate sales and I'm like, oh, I could sell this to somebody. And like, I either just end up keeping it or like giving it away because right. I'm like, I don't know what this means. And if you're like asking me about it, it clearly means more to you than it does to mm -hmm. me. So just take it, you know? Yeah. I'm of the firm belief that like I am a keeper of things for a certain amount of yeah. time. And then yep. it's going to live with who it's supposed to live with. Yeah. Yeah. You just like grab the shit and then that person that's supposed to have it might come along and you might find each other and, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's what, because yesterday I went back to the estate sale that we went to this weekend and they had like these little postcard things, but you open them up and it showed all like the landmarks and like told little histories of them. And yeah. I, my husband's like, what are you doing with those? And I said, I'm going to buy them. And he's like, why? And I said, I feel like I need to uh -huh. because I don't think anybody would appreciate it. Yeah. And they'll get thrown away. Yeah. That's when that's I had feelings like that when I was like younger. I remember being in like antique shops and like going through like now I collect old photographs, but they had like all these like old like portrait studio photographs and stuff. And I'm like, I wanted to like take all of them home mm -hmm. because it's just like these were somebody's family yeah. yeah yeah and now they're just sitting here right. for some dweeb to buy yeah and like what happens if like down the road you met somebody and you're like boy do i have like a fucking thing that's gonna make your year yeah you know? like, yeah exactly check out this picture of your uncle yeah exactly i had that feeling at a super young age too because i used to go antiquing with my grandmother and i remember like seeing the old tintypes and 
uh, parlor cords and all that stuff. And I just, I was like, well, I know where all my family pictures are. Like, how do these end up mm-hmm. here? Like, right. And I'm always, it always is tied to some type of tragedy. I'm certain. Because it could be, I'm like, yeah. there can't be anybody left in the family that knew about these that would have willingly sold them as a lot. Or, you know, it was down to like a grandson who could give a sh- like right. two shits about the it. The only logical thing that I can think of that makes me feel better about those pictures ending up that way is that they were just like studio copies. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, that's a good way that's to look at it. That's such a good way to look at that's it. That's just that like, oh yeah, we made like three or four of this and this one was shittier than the other ones. Yeah. Or, you know, that's what so making. this was... In a back room with like boxes of other photographs that we just didn't throw away yet because they're rubbish. But somebody found them and they're like, "Oh, we could sell these." Oh, yeah. that makes me feel better, even if it's just fabricated. Yeah, that makes me feel a lot better. Because I was the same way. Like I remember finding this picture, like these three dudes from like World War Three, all lined up, jovial. I'm assuming, you know, VE Day or mm-hmm. something, whatever. And it's just like, holy shit! Like these guys just survived like a war, and somebody had this picture, and they're like, "It's just, you know." goodwill pile right. or whatever yeah. and it's like what the fuck's wrong with you mm-hmm. yeah that's so. uh that is definitely i would say 90 percent of my picking is things i like and then the other 10 percent is that like it's almost like it's like a little orphan like an antique orphan yeah yeah i think i have to have this idea in my mind that someday i'm gonna sell some of this stuff just to justify the idea oh, of sure. even going to these places in the first mm-hmm. place well, like the one, Otherwise, the one we just went to was, uh, she's an elderly woman. She's still alive, but she doesn't have any family. And so the members of her church are helping organize this estate sale. And we were going through it. We were looking at stuff and it was tragic because a lot of stuff got thrown away before the estate sale started. So who knows what was mm-hmm. thrown out of that house. But in one of the back bedrooms. Probably the best stuff. Yeah. yeah. The stuff we love. But in the back bedroom, there was, I'm not a super religious person by any means, but in the back bedroom, there was like a four inch thick family Bible that had the hand stamped leather cover. Yeah. And I was just like looking at it and I was like, I have absolutely zero use for that. I know. But I just, was it still there? Um, I think so. Well, I know somebody probably rescued it, but I hope because it was just, I'm like the stories that thing could probably tell. Do they like write down the generations of people that had it, like in the front cover and stuff like that? I didn't like see that? anything, but that doesn't. I don't mean know. It wasn't it, in that there. could be like a regional thing here. I don't know. Obviously, I don't go anywhere else really. <laughs> but um, like, a, you'll see stuff like that, and it's like, but like the huge Bibles, you know. And you'll open the first page, and there's like twenty names written down on it with dates, and that's the different people that have been like gifted this Bible or whatever. You know, I'm assuming like family elders and yeah. stuff like that. Well, because at like, the time, I mean, Bibles were expensive. Not everybody could afford to buy a really right. nice Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were given as gifts. Like I know, like I think um, we have my husband's stepfather's Bible for that was gifted to him, mm-hmm. and it has the beautiful inscription on the inside. And back when there was a little bit more. Uh, sentiment around objects like that yeah right so what do you collect like for your personal collection outside of family history what do you look for uh things i guess that are kind of cultural for this area i feel uh so there's like all kinds of old brewing companies that spurred it up around here like around the the mining boom days and i got a real odd fascination with uh there was a streetcar line here the houghton county traction company and uh just something that's totally 
you would never know that that had happened. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've got these old pictures from the um, the road commission here of them tearing up downtown Hancock in pulling out like the old uh, like rail line. And then I have pictures of them covering the old rail lines, you know, so it's kind of a cool, you know, that ran from I want to say like 1900 until 1933, like right after the Great Depression and stuff. And then uh, people started getting cars and driving on better roads, so they didn't need to use it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then along those like rail lines and stuff, they had like like we had like an electric park up here, like set off in the woods where it was all like Edison bulbs strung around like ten acres with like slides and oh. there's a big like pavilion and stuff. And it's all fucking gone now. You know, you'll go. I know where the place is. It's not hard to find. And like, it's just a wooded field now, you know, with like a stone, like a foundation wow, wall going around the whole thing. That's so cool. Like 10 years ago, I was bird hunting there actually. And I found, uh, I kicked the ground and I found a dime from 1927. And I obviously pocketed that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've got it like in a ring now. Because how cool that's is that? So like cool. the last time somebody had that dime in their pocket, mm-hmm. I guarantee that they were there, like standing at a concession stand mm-hmm. or something, you know, like we have like a full, big full suit. And yeah. Everything. So yeah. Cool. then they were like, yeah. where's that fucking dime? Yeah, because right. that was a big deal. Play this <laughs> game. And now <laughs> I, I can't. Right. We have like a big park that's centrally located in our town. That was a lot bigger at the time of the forming of the town. It's called Toffus Park. Mm-hmm. And that there's images of it that sound so similar to what you're talking about. If it was sure. it was the place to go and it was there was like a man-made lake and there was yeah all, they, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Now it's like a third of the size. Yeah, I was going to say I think there's like I think like a like this park was called Electric Park and I think that that was like a common thing cuz it was around the invention of the light bulb. I know that there were like electric parks like down in like downstate and stuff like Detroit area and stuff like that too. So it might have just been an exhibition from like Edison or right. something, you know, like the World's Fair type of deal. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to look that up. We'll cover that in the Curio Corner to see what exactly. Yeah, because I want to say um, Seattle had something like that too. Wow. Sure. I love shit like that. I love like trends that start in one place and somebody's visiting it because it's yep. not like there was news and stuff that traveled like it does now no right. yeah no in my mind somebody visited michigan and saw that and then came back here and right and they were like here that. let's do this or it could have been like a franchise type of thing yeah. even, you know mm-hmm. like the the traction company could have like bought that franchise from like edison or whatever right. you know and like we're like we're doing an electric park just got a string of 10 million light bulbs <laughs> you know let's go fucking put these up somewhere because, yeah on the same uh streetcar line far away you know like i think it'd be like 40 miles maybe not as the crow flies but whatever (laughs) they had another like a similar park it was like the frida park and that's on the other side sort of like on lake superior and um yeah it all like ran through and it'd be like park park people do that on sundays you know that's cool back when you would hang out with your neighbors yeah Yeah. you liked people in the olden days (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think that, um, like, I know now we had a guest on the show, and he's a friend now, Eric Daw. He does the same thing with pictures of our town. He has an Instagram that he mm-hmm. just posts old pictures of Idaho Falls and the surrounding areas. And it's stuff. Sure. And when I, the, I, it's one of those things where you don't think about it until somebody says it to you. Like, that's an option of collecting. Right. Yeah, I know. That was, I never even. And he was like, it doesn't cost me anything. It's free. 
Yeah. And it's endless. I've, mm-hmm. I've had that idea of just like, because po- I have like my own like photograph collection and stuff. And, you know, I'll like, it'll go in spurts, but like usually in the winter when I'm bored, like I'll post just on my Instagram stories or whatever. Like, here's a couple pictures from like my collection or whatever. And it, it's nothing specific, just people dressed yeah. nicely in front of a waterfall or something, you know. Right. But people really like that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had had that thought to just like maybe I should just make like a an account for like my collection. But at the same time, I can barely keep up with like my own account that That's I true. use for business. So. Well, and I feel that um I have you know business accounts obviously, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't engage with those as much as I engage with like the one for the show or even right. my personal one because my business one is my business. Like it's a certain level of things I could post there without people going, I just want to see hair. You dumbass. Right. Yeah. Don't post memes anymore. <laughs> yeah. Stop telling us your opinion. Stop yeah. It. I don't, I just come to, we don't want to know about you as a person. No. <laughs> I don't care about that about you. Yeah. Just, just cut my hair. Just do my hair. Right. Well, and you and I are in yeah. the same, you know, position of hearing a lot about people mm-hmm. in a certain, cause I feel like, and I don't know how it is for Jill. She hears a lot about people, but not like you and I do. No, no. I hear the stories I don't want. And I feel like to me, it's definitely deepened my appreciation uh, for people's stories and heritage. Is it the same for you? Yeah, I've had, especially recently, I've had like a lot of interesting conversations with like clients and stuff that I was never, never expecting, you know, about like it'll start out about antiques and then like we get kind of weird you know like we're stuck we're talking about like fucking ghosts and shit you know like because i get a little bit into that i'm not um i'm not experienced but i have like a friend that's like a medium and uh people like we're talking about like experiencing just kind of we are uh, we are totally yeah yeah that next that next level Mm -hmm. of connection i guess Mm -hmm. um that i think sometimes I'm not trying to like out anybody here because everybody's got their own thing going on but like i'll meet people that are into like antiques and it's almost like they're like missing like a whole part of like what it's about mm-hmm. you know they're like into like the how valuable it is or like how rare it is and i just that's the last thing of, that crosses my i mind. just hear a bunch of farts when they're talking <laughs> you know it's like like yeah, yeah but and then you like grab some totally like valueless shit and you think it's the coolest thing in the world because it is yeah. mm-hmm. you know it's just like stuff people skimmed over and you're like oh no well like for instance jill and i bought these stupid fucking plastic birds at that estate sale but we both had the same thing there's these plastic yard like herons or cranes and yeah. they're pink and they're covered in dirt and they were 50 cents a piece and we I would put them in our baskets and we went about the house. And then we both told Linda who was checking us out, like, yeah, we're going to paint these black and put skeletons on them. And then we both looked at each other. And I was like, how did you know? But we have, we tend to lead speaking of the like otherworldly connection and different things like that outside of uh, common theology, I would say is everything Jill and I do with the show goes by our gut and the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Same with when we're picking antiques at estate sales. It is, I really like this, but it doesn't, I'm not its owner. I'm not its home. Sure. Yeah. And that's, I think when stuff has been around the block enough times, it, it, uh, picks up like its own thing or whatever, you know, not Mm -hmm. like a horcrux or something, (laughs) but just like, I don't know. There's a lot of, yeah. Say you you got like a silver spoon that's been in your family for 500 years. That thing's seen a lot of Mm -hmm. shit, you know, or it's been like around a lot of positive, negative energy. Things are happening, you know? Yep. 
Yeah. It, uh, I don't know if it like absorbs that or if it's just my imagination of wanting things like that to be true, but it yeah. stuff feels like I, that. I sure. agree with you 100% yeah. on that. Like, cause I went back. So I bought a trunk mm-hmm. yesterday and I didn't get it on the day the sale was open, but on the tag, it came from Honolulu, Hawaii. And it ended up in Spokane, Washington. Uh-uh. Yeah. And so my dad's side of the family is from Hawaii and my mom's side is from Washington. And I went home and I told my husband, I said, if that's there on Sunday, I'm getting it. Or on Saturday, I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. I don't even care how much it's going to cost. I need that. It's yeah. supposed to be mine. And it's mine. That's wild. And that's the other thing. I ha- if I If it's supposed to be mine, it will be mine. Yeah. Check this out. I had this old... Uh... It's like, oh, shit, I should know this because I do art. But there's like these two famous, there's, I think there's actually a set of three, but there's um, these like black and gray illustrations of like these horses, sort of like an Audubon style, uh-huh. uh, whatever. And they're riding through like thunderstorms. And so I have one that had like nice frame and everything. And I wanted, I don't remember if I bought it or if like my grandma gave it to me. And so we just had it hanging in our house. And then this was before we were married. I want to say my wife's grandma gifted her the opposing horse painting and said, this looks like something you guys would be into. So from both sides of us, we have these two horses and they're, you know, it's like over my. That literally gave me goosebumps. Yeah. So like. I had one horse, she had the other, you know, and that's like the set, you know, it's cool. Oh, that's awesome. so cool. I love that. So, but yeah, I think that that is like one of those things, like we're supposed to have mm-hmm. those, you know, Yeah. and whatever, whatever the hell that means, I don't know, but maybe down the, re- the road, somebody else will be meant to have them. Or, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm a sure. firm believer in uh, like paying attention to the, the signs you're receiving Mm-hmm. Because if you yeah. don't pay attention, it's just going to come like in a couple years and smack you across the face. Really hard. That's something. That's something I'm a slow learner to. Like I feel like I know to watch for the signs, but then there's like a sign standing in front of me, and I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I'm not ready to deal with you quite yet, so I'm just going <laughs> right. to turn let's, around. Let's put that very important thing on the back. Yeah, we're just going to put exactly. a pin in that. We're going to revisit <laughs> yeah. this. We're going uh, to circle around on that later. Mark as unread. <laughs> Like yeah, I didn't turn your scene off. Nope, I didn't see that. <laughs> right. My phone was dead. Yeah, that's it. I can't. Yeah. I can't deal with that. And I can't wait until we can take the show on the road and we can come get tattoos by you. Yes. That'd be awesome. Because we I love you're... American traditional. Yeah. And you are so fucking good at what you do. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We. <laughs> Sam was we, we showing like me, a, and I was like, "Holy shit, we uh, need to get this one done." Yeah, we do like a a part two. Yeah, the, yes, whatever you know. Yeah, we, we don't will. have a problem with that at no, all. At Any. all. Yeah, cool. we're we are very heavily tattooed, and we need more. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, I have like a neo traditional kind of sleeve, and then I have a, a realism sleeve. And neo traditional was definitely like, or traditional was my first step into sure. tattooing. Well, that's like the antiquity of yeah. tattooing. Yep. That's, I think, why I got into it's it. It's the only know, reason all... I ever drank rum, because of the Sailor Jerry <laughs> bottles. Right. <laughs> it all it all comes full circle. It does. It really does. Well, and I always yeah. had like this affinity for uh, like the glitzy side of American history, like the 40s and 50s. 
and sure. all yeah. of that imagery. And so to me, it was like that natural progression of the first tattoos I get have to be in this symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, it's the it's the story aspect for it. And now it's dipped into other right. things. And... and it's cool to go back and there's such a neat tattooing can be traditional, but also evolve so heavily mm-hmm. you know like you look at like that old those old designs from like the 1890s and stuff it's like pirates are fucking poking each other with nails and making crosses and everything and like now you get into like the 40s and 50s where you see that like that eagle you know mm-hmm. or that pan- uh-huh. that crawling panther and you just know like that thing is a tattoo that was always meant to be a tattoo yes. and like now what I guess just what I like to try to do is to take like the stuff that's in this area and like, how can I evolve this? Cause that's all they did. Right. You know, like look at sailor Jerry, he was tattooing like in Hawaii and he does all that like Hawaiian imagery, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've even taken some of like his Hawaiian designs, put like a pine tree and make it like what we see here. So you know? That's awesome. Yeah. It's a lot of fun you know, to just see what you can do next or how you can, work off of old things and make them new how long have you been a tattoo artist about six years what was the shift for you to to pursue that i went to art school i wanted to i don't know what i wanted i went to art school for graphic design then i hate computers so i switched to just regular illustration and um then i graduated had a couple like weird little marketing jobs worked at like a sign shop that's in town here for a little bit and then there's a tattoo shop that i started i had gotten tattooed there and then um i went in there one day just kind of joking like hey you want to hire somebody and then he's like yeah i guess come back on tuesday you know the front this was just for like a managerial type of like answering the phones and stuff and the girl working was like i quit and he's like, what are you telling me this right now? And she's like, yeah, it's my two weeks. So he's like, well, I guess come in on Tuesday. I was like, did not mean for that to happen. <laughs> that like, was weird. Uh, yeah. You like left yeah. and you're like, were talk, they serious? Talk about the signs standing right in front of you. <laughs> no you shit, know? huh? Um, but then, yeah, it like on, like slow times in there, I just start doing like painting for fun and stuff. And he was like, I should teach you how to tattoo. So that's when I got my toes in the water. I thought with your level of skill and like just how brilliant your tattoos are, that it was like you had a decade under your belt. No, uh, but I had uh, for a couple of years, I went and worked in Marquette, Michigan. um, And like my mentor and the shop owner there that I worked with was like insanely knowledgeable and a really good teacher. So I think that's like that was like my big like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I can do all of this, you know, and. That's That's what makes the difference. A a big growth period, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for sure, I had a similar thing. I worked for a company as an educator for a long time, and they used to just sit and watch these people that had been, you know, they're on stage at hair shows, they're doing all this stuff, and I learned the most just like watching them work, Mm -hmm. and then being like, "Are you doing this because of X, Y, Z?" And that's where, right, uh, like it all started to connect in my brain. So now, yeah, you. when i look at hair or trying color. like those things yes, yes. and applying yep. them and going okay i saw her do this on this so when i look at a head of hair it's like almost a little like it's it's like geometry and a sculpture all mm-hmm. at once yeah when i'm working on that's something. what we do too like rule of threes sort of mm-hmm. you know that kind of it's all 
you can transfer composition into so many different things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And know, I, same principles, different uh, structure or yeah. canvas or whatever. And lighting and shading and angles and all of those sure. things. Yep. I am probably a little too honest with my clients about like what will work and what won't work and why it won't work. Yes, but we appreciate oh, that. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think there's any such thing as being too honest about yeah, that I'm stuff. Because like, if they leave it and they look like shit, that's on you, mm-hmm. you know. And then I, I'm sure you've experienced this too, where somebody will come in with an idea and you know in the consultation or whatever it's going, it's taking a long time, and you realize this person isn't happy with who they are and they think this one thing's going to fix it. Sure. That happens. Um Yeah. And that it's hard with like tattooing because you have to like and I'm sure same thing with you, but you have to like gauge who that person is. You have to almost like imagine what they're going through sort of mm-hmm. like in this particular thing. Yeah. And then also take their design. And most, most of the time you have to tell them why it's not going to work, but what you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And then they have to respond with basically yes or no. Mm-hmm. And that all has to happen in like five seconds, yeah. you know, yeah. like, Somebody you don't, you have to talk to somebody you don't know and be like, are you the right person for this almost, mm-hmm. you know, which is an insane responsibility. Part of me is like, it's wild. yeah, maybe I should just do the fucking tattoo because that's my job. You know, like, is it my job to ask questions? But on the other side of that, like, it's absolutely my job to decide on whether you may or may not be doing the right mm-hmm. thing by just me being like an outside person, right. you know? Yeah. And that's definitely, that's lost me. Some people, because my stance on it is I, I'll go with my gut and who I think this person is from meeting them. And I usually just go, I go, give me three appointments. Like give me three hair appointments with you to really fill each other out before we make this gigantic change. Mm-hmm. And sure. then usually by the second appointment, you figure out some pretty heavy shit they're going through. And you're like, okay, here's right. where we're at with this change. If you ever wonder why your hairdresser won't take you platinum blonde, damn it! After a divorce, that's why. Right. What if I just want to, Sam? Well, we'll see how you feel about it in six weeks. That's my rule of thumb. <laughs> we'll see how you feel about it in six weeks. Diet back, maybe. Yeah. It, well, and that's it. Gets into because I worked for a company that heavily relied on the science of hair. Then mm-hmm. it gets into the science aspect of it of what that'll do to your hair to do this and that and this and that and this and that. Sure. And then I explain. So every time you r- raise the pH of a hair strand, which is with permanent oxidative color, raises the pH and it opens the cuticle up, swells it and lifts the what looks like shingles under a microscope, lifts yeah. everything up. And then the color goes all the way in, decolorizes or changes the melanin on the inside, comes out when you shampoo, it lowers the pH and brings it back, which is why hairdressers will tell you to not wash your hair for 48 hours. Your pH is starting to get back to normal. Anyways, so it's those things that like that happens. And if we do it to and lightener is indiscriminatory. So it will go in and decolorize the protein and the melanin, everything in the middle of the hair, creating weak points. So if you do that and then you come back over it with oxidative color, you just created a real shit show. You just made me feel like having to do like cover-up tattoos like i'm such a whiny baby like, <laughs> there's no science like will this work oh, probably not well, you maybe. have to keep in mind you have to keep in mind color theory when you're doing stuff like that sure and trauma to the skin depending on who yep. did the work before you 
It's the same set of brain Olympics that you do. And same, you have to do the same thing too. When you're, if you know somebody has anemia, you know, you're going to have trouble with their veins. Like you, you have all those stuff to kind of, right. Worry about. You have like the ingredients to make like a good or bad decision. I love that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, depending on how Thanks, you... Josh. I needed that. Thanks for putting it into yeah. a sentence that I just decided to fucking explain as lightener. I bleach. We'll cut that. Gray, keep that or cut that. I don't fucking know. Who cares? Gray's gonna be like, "What the shit is she talking about? What is even happening?" What? He's like, "Wow, who really went off the fucking rails there?" Listen, okay. We are mad. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, it's just because one, I have anxiety. I'm a highly anxious person all the time. So I feel like the more knowledge sure. I have about something, it just levels that out. That's a good one. And also creates problems. Both. That's what I was going to get at. Yeah. You start to learn a little bit too much. And then I start to be like, oh, who the fuck am uh-huh. I? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do I've got all this information. Am I supposed to use this now? Yeah. And like, I'm not smart enough to know about this. <laughs> oh, I'm not like good enough at like what I do to try these crazy techniques. Uh-huh. What am I contributing? I should quit. Yeah. Maybe I'll go work at a junkyard. I just have forever imposter syndrome. Fine, I, I know. I, I do that all the time. Me too. Yeah. 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 Like, no, you just think I'm a big idiot. Okay. Yep. I know. See you. My Bye. husband will look at me and be like, holy shit. That. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I just pulled that somewhere. Don't. That's from nowhere. Uh, yeah. That's a one and done. No yeah. more. I feel like you got to just get lucky sometimes put in a bunch of hard work and then you get lucky and then you start getting lucky so much you're like i'm actually okay yeah yeah like i can do this you're like this isn't this might not be luck anymore maybe i have a skill Mm -hmm. exactly yeah that's definitely how the progression of the show that's how this is working out yeah yeah people still want to sit down and talk with us cool all right let's do it yeah (laughs) okay so speaking of something that i made up on the fly the next part of the show is the estates i'll walk through and in the estate sale walkthrough, everything is imaginary made up. It doesn't exist. If you ever see a listing that's close to what we're doing, send it to me because that's hilarious. But so it at the state sale, if you think something's there, it's there. It's all your favorite shit. Everything you would want in an estate sale. If you go, oh, yeah. if it's this, I'll get it. It's most definitely that. All right. Because I suck. And uh, you ha- the only catch is you could only pick one of the options listed. All right. Okay. Hit me. Which is where that questionnaire comes in handy. It's the worst. All right. All right. So today we're in a quiet country town, just a short drive away from you, in a cute little craftsman Sears home. Mm-hmm. And this home was owned by born and raised Michiganders. We go into the garage first and we begin to pick through the bits and bobs laid out on the tables. There is a turn of the century fishing tackle made from various woods and feathers and fibers. Or the fly fishing rods from the same time period. And I can pick one. One, one yeah. or the other. Sorry. I might go with the tackle because I like what that stuff looks like. Visually, it's cool. I like all the the real old stuff where it's like handmade shit, you know, like somebody carved it, painted it or whatever. That was like their idea. You guys ever see like those old... Uh, decoys from like Mm -hmm. ice fishing with Mm -hmm. the spear like that shit like yeah at that at some point that tackle transcended being practical to being a folk art yeah yeah and that's like the coolest that's what i love about it too i'm i'm definitely picking the tackle yeah what about you joe i don't know see and when i read over this i was like yes i know what i want now i don't i think i'll go (laughs) well i'll be i would be also concerned i would ask too uh where did the 
fly rods come from? Like, who made them? His, Did the guy make them? His grandfather person... made them. They're all handmade See, by the grandfather. That's fucking tough. Too. Yeah. 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 And I say this, literally, this was a choice in my life. My grandfather made a handmade bamboo fishing rod in the 70s. And we were in a boating accident and all of his tackle and that rod went to the bottom of the river. Oh, yeah. It's devastating. Jeez. That is. I think I'll go with the fly rods. Yeah. They're beautiful. to I'm glad. To you. No, see, that's where we're at, though. We got the tackle. I'm glad mm-hmm. you grabbed the rod. Yeah, mm-hmm. Somebody grabbed Somebody, the rod. Yeah, it's, going had home. To. it's going home with yeah. me. All right, we go in through the back door in the garage to the den, and we start to pick through over the various local and family photos the family has collected. Everything is placed into lots, because there's a lot of it. Do you choose, and you can buy one of the lots, there's a holiday photo lot, which encompasses all of the major holidays. There's a 4th of July lot, or local aerial and landscape photos. Did I buy Mm. something at the estate sale that pissed you off? Like (laughs) I feel like... Yes. Is this coming? Is this like a real life scenario? She just she... feels like it's personal every time because I, I make it difficult. Yeah. I really try not to make it I like just, pins. I just didn't know if these were like real life situations that you're dressing up as like. Sometimes fiction. they are. Sometimes. Yeah. Ooh. Nobody will ever okay. know. I don't really care about the 4th of July stuff too much. I mean, it's cool. If it was there by itself, I'll grab that. But since I got to pick one, mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> I guess the. I guess the holiday ones, because I, at my core, I think I'm most interested in people, Yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. which is funny because I don't necessarily love people, but I really am interested in like, like, what were they dressing up as? What were they doing? Yeah. Like family photos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The aerial stuff would be also real cool, but unless you can lay it all out like a map, it really don't mean jack shit to me. But Mm -hmm. Jill, I think I want to go with the aerial. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's a good choice. It is a good choice. And I'm going to go with the holiday also because I'm really into people posing with their Christmas trees right now. There's like (laughs) old pictures of. Yes. All the old pictures. I'm into like weird, embarrassing photos. How how old are these photos going back? Like, are we talking like 60s or are we like weird Christmas, like open flame on a Christmas tree? Yeah. Like there's lots of it's like family history. Uh, yeah, photos. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all the I cool think shit. I made the right yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah you, so. did. Okay. Yeah. you did. I think so. Yeah. For sure. Okay. The next part we're going to is the uh, gentleman's office. He's collected lots of artwork in his time and displayed it in his office. Um, is a selection of his favorites and their local kind of folk arty stuff like you like. So there's a velvet and chain stitched flag that hung in a local Elks Lodge. Mm-hmm. Or there is a map. Um, one of those really beautiful hand-drawn maps of the late 1800s of Michigan. All of Michigan or just the UP? <laughs> just the UP. Definitely that. Okay. <laughs> I'll take I'll I'll take that. Um, and that flag school too, though, because it's weird. It's like, I don't know, people get into all that like weird esoteric stuff, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like th- th- back to what we're talking about before. I feel like down the road I'd meet somebody that I'll be like. I knew I should have bought that flag because you'd love it. <laughs> I Which I did that. I did that before with a flag. I remember I had this Danish flag, and it's like hand sewn. It's almost like it was made out of like cheesecloth oh, or something. It was real cool. strange. And um, my friend's dad is Danish, so I'm like, I got this, and I knew that, and never thought about it. And then me and him were having like a conversation about something, and that came up, and I was like, I've got this flag, and I gave it to him, and he had like hung it he was like pumped on oh, it that's, yeah. oh that's so, cool i love that yeah flags are sweet mm-hmm. but what the hell am i gonna do with a danish flag 
right? But then you know a guy. Hang it up yeah. and people go, oh, you're Danish. You're, you're like, like, this that. guy's going to love it. Like Not really. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty. What I about like you, the color. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the flag. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with, too. Just because. Good job. I don't Thank live you. in Michigan. And yeah. I wouldn't know what I'm looking I could at. have the Michigan yeah. thing to like give to my dad. Because that's where he grew up. Oh, but, that's true. Yeah. But I, I have, yeah, I have no use for the mission. If it was an Idaho one. I have a friend that she, in her house, she got it framed and stuff. And it's a map of, oh, shit. I don't remember if it's, it might just be kind of like the Houghton County Copper Country area mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But her grandpa, her grandpa did draw it. Oh, you cool. know? that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. It's real I neat. like that. Okay, the last stop for this estate sale, we're just headed to the living room. The tables are lined with the random odds and ends from the house. There are local bar and lounge collectibles to pick from. So there is a dartboard from a now-closed bar, and then pint and shot glasses from bars in Canada, or a Bosch beer clock. So it's all the advertising stuff that would have been in the bars. What is there anything cool on the dartboard? Is there, like, writing on it? Yeah, it's one of the old cork dartboards with, like, the hand-painted middle. That, yeah, but is there like any? Did somebody like write anything on? Like, I want some weird personalization on this stuff. I guess if it's gonna. Otherwise, I'm so, going for the Bosch clock right away. I'm beelining <laughs> it through the room. I no know doubt. he's like, is it really? So what I on want? the back it says Bob's right. a bitch, 1975, right. and then on the front okay. it just has a bunch of innuendos and like dirty jokes from the bar. It was a real seedy I place. See. Sure, I like that, but I'm taking that clock, clock. no doubt. <laughs> Uh, I think I might go for the pint glasses. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a good pint glass. Yeah. Especially with good like bar imagery or mm-hmm. on the front of it. Yep. Yeah. I've had like times had so much of that stuff that I've got, I've had to like get rid of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, my uh, collection rotates all the time. Yeah. When I first started getting into like brewery stuff, it was like anything I like just grab it, you know, and then I start getting like limited in space or like I, I go between like this stuff is real important and like, man, I'm such a material dick. You know? <laughs> so then it's like I got to find all this stuff that doesn't have any connection to like it's almost like you weed through it. and You're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Taking, yeah. this, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. And then wh- whatever, I just got rid of some of the stuff or my friend has more space and collects the same stuff. So maybe I just gave some of it to him or whatever. But yeah, that's forever like, my problem. I've like narrowed down like tunnel vision, my shit, like everything in my collection now is like super important. Yeah. You know, and that's I find that with a lot of collectors and the more people we interview. Oh, I'm choosing the dartboard, by the way, because I like the inside oh, joke. Yeah. yeah. OK, good. Yeah. And it's got to come home to me. So I, you know, I find the more people we interview, the more people we sit down and talk with that's a very common thread of like in the beginning it's like how my husband antiques and thrifts like he's like a t- uh, like a tornado like everything that is like a little bit cool or old ends up in his fucking sure. pile and i'm like really what is that and he's like blah, blah, blah. like <laughs> but I, the further you get into collecting you pare your stuff down because you realize what stuff is like a dime a dozen what stuff is right. actually really rare mm-hmm and then there's still things I don't ever, and I, I hope I don't ever go for stuff for value. I do sometimes. There's stuff that I have, like, stuff I have like doubles, triples, quadruples of. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, someday if times are hard, I know what I could get for this. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to get rid of the one of them, but I got the other three. Or mm-hmm. if you have a group, 
you need to collect things that you can use as bargaining chips for trading. Oh. Somebody got something you don't have, but you want it real bad, but you got something they want real bad. You'd be like, <laughs> damn it, Josh. This is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's, that's shit. Things to, things to think because about. Because that is, uh, it's definitely turning into, especially the more people we meet, you know, like now it's turned into, you've been on the show. If Jill and I see something that we know you'll like, we'll just send it yeah. to you and be like, what do you think of this? Yeah. Right. Do you want? And now it's turning into a problem. Like I had a absolutely Kate bitter squeaks. Kate sent me a message the other day and it was just a screenshot of a taxidermied hedgehog. Yeah. And I sex back. I was like, get the fuck out. Where did you find that? And she's like, it's for sale. Do you want it? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm trying to put a hair color on it. I'm like, this is very important. I will like talk. Did you ever uh, put your phone on like speaker or whatever? And you're like talking into your pocket or like <laughs> looking in your pocket as like notifications are popping up and people are like, you OK? I'm like, yeah, what are you talking uh -huh. about? Yeah. Like, or I'll be like, oh, this is a very important phone call I have to take. And they're like, oh, who was that? And I was like, oh, it's somebody we talked to on the podcast and they're in the state sale. Yeah. Right. I've, my, yeah. My, uh, right now it's deer season for deer hunting. My grandpa calls me once a day to just like be like, here's what I found like at the bait pile or whatever. And so-and-so's hunting in this spot or whatever. <laughs> and like, I'll be tattooing and I'll like go in the back room and take the phone call. And, you know, I think it it sounds important. And I'm like, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, that was important. And be like, oh, is everything okay? Like, yeah, my grandpa's just talking to me about deer season. Like, <laughs> that is important. It's so bad. Just because it's not an emergency doesn't mean it's not important. Yeah, this is top of the line true. important right now. I'll yeah. be right back. Yeah, that's every day. And then uh, if, if I see something too, I'll call, I'll just call Jill. And she's like, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, hey, blah, 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 blah. I just, yeah, I feel bad. I'm sorry. No, it's I fine. That too it's fine. Let me, let me ask you something about this estate sale thing. Yes. You guys ever do an estate sale and then feel like you're intruding on people's shit? Like you're like, this is somebody's house and you're like digging through their stuff. And you see a lot of people that are kind of like, uh, dis I don't want to say disrespectful, but they forgot that that was all of somebody's stuff. Yes. And that like maybe like a couple months ago, somebody was just living there like normal yeah. and now they're dead or something. And they're just I get really yeah. pissed off. Sam and I, we, yeah. we try to be very respectful. Uh -huh. Like we're right. Like, I look over things. I don't just like start manhandling it. Sure. But we were at this estate sale and some like sh those, this woman had a huge amount of jewelry. Just all sorts. Of and a lot of costume jewelry, but you knew it was important to her. Yeah. You mm -hmm. could feel that it was important. Yeah. And he just was like throwing shit. Like he had like a special little eyeglass thing. He was like looking at it. And I had picked up this big um, chunky ring. And he's like, that's not worth shit. And I said, that's how I buy it. I, I, I'm getting it yeah. because I enjoy it. And it's beautiful. Like, I'm not yeah. Right. And he was around. like also not respecting the code of like, you don't look where somebody else is looking. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was looking through the table and he was he was directly in front of me going through the Ziploc baggies. And I was just like, chill out, man. Like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, we all know this is costume jewelry. They wouldn't have the expensive jewelry just on a table by itself. Right. Yeah. But he was he's yeah, he's kind of got a shitty attitude. That guy does. And it's every time I've been to because he runs sales in town. Every time okay. I've been to one of his sales, it feels intrusive and disrespectful, just the way it's set up. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then every sale we go to that Linda, who is a guest on the show, she literally, she sits in rooms and lets the room speak to her into what needs to happen. Yeah. And has incredible reverence for being able, because you're going through somebody's life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is like the other side, you know, I 
there's like that weird balance that you kind of got to grapple with of like, I'm just digging through this old person's shoe boxes of stuff that right. they put away 50 years ago or whatever. But then there's also that like coolness of like kind of getting to like know this person mm-hmm. or like you can like, I don't know, think like, oh yeah, 30 years ago, they were like outside shoveling snow and this is what it looked right. like at Christmas yeah. time or, yeah. you know. Or yeah, where did this, why did they hold on to this old tool for so long? Mm-hmm. Who yeah, right. was you, this? There's curious stuff like mm-hmm. that that pops up. Like, why in the fuck do you still have a calendar from like 1984 or yeah, something? Or yeah. like, no reason? Did you just save everything? Like, my grandparents did that. Children of the Great Depression, jam it in a corner somewhere because someday somebody's going to yeah. take it away from you, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I but, always I always wonder, too, because there's certain parts of my house that, like, my friends don't go into. Sure. You know, and then you go to some estate sales where it's like a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going through closets and cupboards and under the yep. sink. And I just am like, it just, it feels intrusive intrusive like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like somebody's still living in there yeah and i you don't know. know about you but i'm always really quiet like almost like library-ish when i'm yeah going. you wish like i'll go with like my wife or like my friend greg or whatever and we'll be like we're like whispering yeah, to each yeah. other sort of like hey come check this out yeah because you know? it and it's like why are we whispering <laughs> yeah it just feels like it feels reverent and i i've never yeah, I was just it was like always like the modus of operandi when you go. And yeah. then I see some people and I'm like, don't sure. be a shit. Well, and even on the last day, it's really hard for me to leave anything there. Yeah. Because I right. just what's gonna happen yeah, to I it. just don't know what's gonna happen to it and I really hope it goes to a good home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I always hope for, and that's like the I can't save everything. I know. Right. I do go home. Yeah, what a are you gonna depressed. do? Yeah. But, you know, Just I can by- say now confidently that with the people that have listened to the show and hearing so many different stories, I've heard from listeners that when they go out now looking at stuff, it's it's changed their perspective on certain items. Sure. So I know that it's definitely like even stuff in people's collections are in there. They see it at their grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. It's right. Yeah. As, as silly as something seems, it probably has a great story. Yeah, sometimes like the silliest stuff that you're gonna leave there is like the best stuff. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I just like papers and shit. Mm-hmm. There's stuff written on it, and mm-hmm. it tells you something. Some of it doesn't. Well, I just got it. one of you know. I don't know, but some stuff right. is like yeah. One of um one of my cool collections I got just randomly was one of my friends bought a house. They were flipping it, and in the house, in a photo album, is like hundreds of obituaries, but they're sure. like from back east. And they're from like the 1900s to the 1950s. My God. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with it, but I have to have that. Yeah. So I need to, I was go, I'm going to go through and categorize them all. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I bought like a lot, I, not a lot, but like some, I bought photo albums or like photo collections like that. Like, don't know who these people are. I like to like find weird shit, you know, like stuff that I've not, I'll buy something because I've never seen it before, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but like I bought this whole box of like photographs and then like more carefully scrutinized them and found like weird advertising that was like local in the background oh, and stuff. And cool. then almost been able to pinpoint where that picture was yeah. taken. My dad knows a guy that can tell you any town around here where the picture was taken based on the telephone lines in the picture, you know, uh, like that's the kind of weirdos you need to know. Yeah, you know? Like, yeah exactly. And if all those people came together, holy shit, there's nothing you couldn't figure out. You That's know, what we're doing right now. I, I love hope sometime it. I could get on that level of just like 
nope. knowing no the weird shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, me too. Not even knowing it, but just being able to like problem solve like mm-hmm. that. Agreed. That's how oh, there's yeah. um with Linda's estate sale company, there's a gentleman named Bud. And he's an older guy. And he's like that. He's just a font of knowledge. Yeah. We went to an estate sale. There was weeds on the ground, like the goat head weeds. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, damn it. These are all my tires. And he just started telling me the history of that weed and yeah. how it's called pokeweed here. And because they would have these parties because it was when the Model T first came out and the tires of a Model T were super soft because rubber was pretty much a new thing. And so they would go down the road and they would, they would run over these pokeweeds and it would pop the tires. Right. So they would have pokeweed gatherings where they would walk up and down the highway and pull all of the fucking weeds so that it didn't ruin people's tires. Yeah. Huh. That's the kind of... And if that guy wasn't around, fucking nobody would know Nobody would know yeah. that. You know? But yeah. now we know that and we'll be telling people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you figure out a way to write that down so that mm-hmm. into like a piece of information mm-hmm. that people are going to think is interesting you know what i mean yeah. that's yeah that's where i'm always at yeah i got all these weird stories in my head sort of and it's mm-hmm. like what the fuck do i do with that's why besides, i think like, this you know the digital medium of just the the auditory stories because i mean uh, the computers are only going to get better and digitizing is only going to get better mm-hmm. sure yeah so it's i guess my way of doing it is just repeating it here for everybody to hear yeah. and if yeah. they listen that's good they listen yeah I always think about doing like a blog, but I'm like, man, the internet's so vast. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you, if you write it out, I feel like if you write things out in a book, that when we're talking about the Bible, this thing's been around for how many hundreds of years? Right. Mm-hmm. You're telling me my fucking blog's going to be around in 50 <laughs> years? No, it's not. It might. You never it know. Might. You may become famous knows. and they'll be like, remember this Michigan historian? God, I hope not. You'll end up with like a Pulitzer <laughs> or something. Yeah. It's going to happen. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, Josh, where can our listeners find your stuff? Where's your socials at? Uh, at Josh Yaney at I don't, Instagram. <laughs> we'll have everything <laughs> I don't listed, know how people... um, in the post for your stories today on your Instagram post and on our website. Yeah. We'll have a, where they can find all your stuff. And I really hope you do start an Instagram to post your cool pictures up. Yeah, maybe I will. Because I just think that... Maybe it'll be a good winter project. You go. Yeah, you know? it would. You could do it. So, yeah. Thank you so Thanks. much for sitting down with us and listening to my random Instagram message to be like, hey, come talk about your shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate I'll it. I'll do it again if you ask me. Oh, so. sweet. Cause... Yeah, when, we, when we're safe to travel, we're headed straight there. Cool. Yeah. Sounds we'll good. schedule an appointment. We'll have some brewskis. I'll be here. I almost never leave. So. Same. I've been in the same <laughs> town forever. Guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so thanks again for sitting down with us today. Yeah, thanks, Josh. And to hear more for about sure. some of the stuff we talked about today in Josh's episode, stay tuned for the Curio Corner, where we take a deep dive into some more local history. Yeah. So just a couple little bits of housekeeping before we get into the Curio Corner of this episode. Between um, our episode recording and the date that this show went live, Josh has created his own Instagram to showcase his collection. So we wanted to make sure that we included that in his Curio Corner. His Instagram for his collection is This Was The Copper Country. We'll, of course, have that tagged on our website as well as on our Instagram for you to check out. We've also added an even easier way for you guys to share your antique stories with us. 
we have created our own show voicemail where you can call and leave your audio message of your antique and we can share that on the show. Or if you don't want your voice used, it transcribes it for us so you don't have to write anything down and we can read exactly what you say in your voicemail. The number for that is 208-274-5242. You can call us there any time of day or night and leave your story about your collection, a family heirloom, or the weird thing your aunt had in her basement at that number at your own convenience. Thanks for listening and enjoy Josh's Curio Corner. You know, I could have spent probably like two or three more hours sitting down with him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we sat after we finished the call, the Zoom call and the recording portion, we sat for probably another 45 minutes before we all were freezing. <laughs> yeah. In our respective places. No, he, I mean, I mean, especially for you coming from a small town, learning your history and for him, it was kind of nice probably for him to know that there's other people out there that do the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Because he, you could tell he was like, I don't have anything to say because it's about my hometown. Right. And I'm like, no, I want to hear everything about your hometown. No. And like the little things, his hometown compared to like how you grew up and even how I grew up Uh because I don't really have a home base essentially, but just listening to how different it is, it was super cool. Mm -hmm. And to hear, I mean, to live in a place that has such rich history, like, you know, here we have farming or whatnot. We don't really have mining. No. And yeah, we had cattle. Yeah. And that was it in this area. There wasn't, I mean, granted, because we're more in a desert area, so it's not like we were close to the mountains anyways. For sure. But no, it was, it was super interesting. Like his great, what is it? Great, great grandpa started, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like, you have your generations and that, I think that in its sense, it, it shows how close he is with family. For sure. And, you know, I love that um, he takes such his family history like it is his personal job to be the historian of it. Yeah. You know, I really hope like during this holiday season, even though, you know, a lot of us can't spend time with our family, Mm -hmm. take the time to ask the questions we ask people on the show. Take the time to learn your family history and document it in some way. You know, if you're doing it over Zoom, you can record the video. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's. I mean... Yeah, and it's some I mean some families have stories they don't want told. Right. Which find out anyways cuz those are the interesting ones. You know, and the the way I get around like my parents not wanting to share like maybe some stories with me, I always say I want to know the person you were before you were my parent. Mhm. Because that's I mean, you know what it is to become a mom and you turn into a mom and it's not necessarily the person you were uh growing up. No, and I almost cuz I know my mom is way different. Yeah. Like just from the snippet she's and I'm like, where'd that lady go? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think that's where I try really hard to stay true to myself, even in front of my children. Yeah. For so sure. they know there's no secret mom. <laughs> Stepford mom, robot <laughs> that, mom. That, who is this lady? But no, I just, I think it's fascinating and I hope more people want to do that for their families and stuff. I know mm-hmm. I've kind of done a little bit on with my family, especially my dad's side, because they are Hawaiian Filipino. And so um, I know we originate in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. but I don't know much after that. And so it's hard too, because (laughs) 
their names change. A lot of them, a lot of people change their names when they get to Hawaii or even when they went to America mm-hmm. because my great, it was like my great, great, great grandfather um, traveled from Manila, Philippines to Hawaii, but Hawaii was just a territory. It wasn't even a state yet. Right. So then they had to immigrate into California and that's when names started to change and stuff like that too. Wow. So then it gets really hairy. I don't, I don't know where everybody went. Yeah, that's we should do this. We should do that as a mine's already figured out. I know yours is done. We could do mine. Mine's done on my dad's side pretty thoroughly, but my mom's side is not as thorough. Um, like my grandma knows a lot of it, and so yeah, my grandma knows quite a bit, and I know that like like my grandparents lived through the Dust Bowl and all that wow. kind of stuff because they were from Oklahoma and Arkansas, and so they did travel to Washington because that's where jobs were. Not dusty. Not dusty. At a, as dusty, I should yeah. say. It was dusty, but not a different kind of dust. <laughs> but yeah, and so. Yeah, it was, you know, and I, we get, you know, people say to us like, oh, I don't really have any stories to tell you guys. And that's what we talk about when every story is interesting and every story deserves to be told. And yeah. carried on. And, you know, I love the fact that everything for him is up in the Upper Peninsula. Yeah. You know, that's what exists to him. And he's like, what, the second person we've interviewed from Michigan? Yeah, because the Rademakers are, live in Michigan. Yeah, so it's really interesting, too, because that's just like not anywhere near Idaho. Mm-hmm. So it's like cool to learn that area and, you know, what they're all about. And they both, Dave and Brittany and um, Josh... They both have such a deep love for their state. Yeah. Which is great. And where um, Josh is from is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So the Upper Peninsula is, it's a forested region in Michigan, bordering three of the Great Lakes and extending outward from Wisconsin. It's connected to Michigan's Lower Peninsula by a roughly five mile long Mackinac Bridge, which spans the Straits of the Mackinac, sandwiched between the two peninsulas, is Mackinac Island, a car-free vacation destination Ooh. which i've seen like some things on surprise tiktok of people that live on Mackinac island and they just have specific places it's just cool so the upper peninsula i mean it's the northern tip of the state and then you got across the lakes is canada a neighbor and that is um like my family's not from the upper peninsula obviously but super cool and it's like it's it's it, from what it sounds like and this may be you know, wrong, but it sounds like it's really its own place. Yeah. And like standalone. Yeah. yeah. I did get that feeling too. Mm-hmm. Like you would almost like cross the river and then you just knew yeah. you're there. Here we are. We've made it. And we talked about another, uh, you're going to electric park, right? Yeah. We talked about another interesting thing that is a bygone of the past that I had never heard of. Yeah, and I didn't think about it until at, when he started talking about it, and I got to thinking, yeah, I know of another place. There's a place in Washington that has these two, and it's electric parks. And um, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know anything about them. I just, it just would be like something, something electric park, and I just thought the electric company, right, has this land and that's this a park. Is, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what do we name it? Electric park. Electric park. But no, so this article came from Wikipedia, of course. So Electric Park was a name shared by dozens of amusement parks in the United States that were constructed as trolley parks 
and owned by electric companies and streetcar companies. After 1903, the success of Coney Island inspired a proliferation of parks named Lunar, Luna Park and Electric Park. While the World's Columbian Exposition in 1893 inspired the formation of White City amusement parks as roughly the same time, the existence of most of these parks were generally brief. The bulk of them closed by 1917, the year of the United States entered into World War I. Many pavilions have outlasted the parks themselves, with a few of them still standing today. Wow. And then it goes on to more detailed entry. But I did find that it still had a list of the first electric parks that are currently still unknown. And wow. because there was a, I guess there was a bunch throughout the country. Yeah. Which you well, could electricity see. electricity was. Yeah, it was new and it was like, look at me. Pretty posh. Um, So there, it, there was an electric park in Aberdeen, Washington, electric park, Atlanta, Georgia, um, one in Baltimore, Maryland, and Bellingham, Washington, which the Bellingham one is the one I was referring oh. to. Um, But yeah, and so it, the list goes on and on and... um. So that was cool. That kind of jolted like a memory for me um, when he started talking about it. And I was like, hey, yeah. But he had so many fascinating stories about all the, like, all the little things. Uh-huh. The stuff we love. Yeah. Well, and I have never heard of an electric park. Like that was brand new for me. And it just reminds me like I'll put a picture. I'll see if I can find the picture of Toffus Park in its heyday. Yeah. Because it was like from where it is now, and then extend it by well, like two more miles. Well, you can even you can even tell that it was very it was the park to be at just because of the homes that surrounded yes. it. Yeah, and that's where Toughest Park is right by the subdivision we always talk about, Dreamily, in here. Yes. It's kind of like the first suburb. Yeah, in Idaho Falls. Another thing we talked about that is you know central to uh, America only. So we talk, I bring up the Elks Lodge flag in the, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're from a place that like Josh is from or we're from, where it's a heavily community driven place, chances are it has an Elks Lodge. And I've always, you know, heard of Elks or all the, like people yeah. going to the parties or whatever mm-hmm. there, but I didn't necessarily know exactly what it was. And this is from Elks.org. Oh, straight from. Good job, Elk. So um, they are they're a fraternal order with nearly a million members and a 141-year history. They have a network of nearly 2,000 lodges in communities all over the country. And they're a charitable foundation that each year gives millions in scholarships and different things like that. And so the fraternal order was founded to promote and practice the four cardinal virtues of charity, justice, brotherly love, and fidelity to promote the welfare and enhance the happiness of its members, to quicken the spirit of American patriotism and cultivate good fellowship. Um, And then to become a member, it's like you have to to be one to know one, like the Freemasons, and they have to be in good standing with the Elks. And you must believe in God and be an American citizen and of good moral character and be at least 21 years old. That's not, you would think it'd be a little more rigorous. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, it reminds me of like the antique study group. Like you had to be invited by. Yeah, that's true. You know, you prove yourself. And so, in the the fraternal order spends more than eighty million dollars every year for benevolent educational and patriotic community minded programs in such fields as benefiting special needs children, sponsoring Elks National Foundation scholarships, scouting athletic teams, veterans works, a national hoop shoot free throw contest. That seems oh. weird. 
okay, involving more than 3 million children, physical and occupational therapy programs and patriotic programs. Well, I didn't realize they did so much. I just thought that it was old people drinking in a rundown building. I'm sorry, okay? (laughs) I don't want to... I'm not trying to defame the fraternal order of the Elks Lodge, but our local Elks... That's probably what they want you to think, though. Mm -hmm. So they don't... Fraternal orders are wild. There was a hair show I worked once. Oh, man. The Knights of Columbus. Yeah. (laughs) So we're in Utah, okay, at a hair show. And there's hairdressers, which also like to party. Yeah. And then there's the Knights of Columbus, which very much like to party. Oh. So we get off the elevator to go to our room. And when I would go down to uh, hair shows in Utah, I was the beer runner. Because Utah's beer percentages are much lower than Idaho. Yes. Sorry, Mom. And so (laughs) I was the one in charge of bringing stuff. So we were going up to the room to get drinks and whatever. And we get off the elevator. And I'm not kidding you. It's like a fucking college party. But they're all like dads and grandpas. So their doors are open. And you can see on top of their mini bar bottles of liquor and music. And they're like going up and down the halls. Like it was a rager. And I was like... I looked at my friend and I was like, I thought it was just hairdressers on the floor. And she goes, no, it's the Knights of Columbus and they don't fuck around. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? And we had gone up to like the conference room on the top and they have like full suits of armor, like outside. I was like, this is, and there was, they had like the baggage cart. They were going up and down the hall. It was fucking wild. Holy shit. I was just like, I thought we were going to get noise complaints, but we're partying with the Knights of Columbus. I know. You just can just point it and be like, it's them. It's those guys. We have been trying to do um, a study of the hair with our Which tea. Hairdressers know how to get down, but it was uh, we couldn't touch them that night <laughs> at all. They probably saw me like challenge accepted. <laughs> Watch this. Where you're? Do you know of anybody that's an elk? I'm sure I know somebody. I'm work. sure I do, but I like nobody has ever come to me and be like, "Hey, I'm so and so. I'm also an." They're elk. not inviting you to be an elk. <laughs> I know. Maybe I should feel offended right now. Yeah. Whatever, guys. Sorry. I'll start my own. I'll start our own fraternal order. Yeah. You'll be like, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, I, it's, it was. It's just strange. Like I, there's, like I get it. I understand why. Yeah. Well, and I see in a lot of these like online auctions, there's like stuff from these fraternal orders, like mm-hmm. Freemason stuff, Oddfellow yeah, stuff, yeah. that gets sold for so much money. I know, and I never... I don't... It's Explain it to us. Somebody send us an email explaining this to us. Reach yes. out to us on Instagram. Explain We just the hype. want to know why. Yeah. Because you don't hear... Are there any, like, women's groups like that? There's not, like... There are. There's, like, the Lady Elks. We oh. performed... I did a play once, and we performed for the, the Lady Elks. Oh, so now I really am offended. Mm, yeah, there's... Well, I wouldn't ask either. <laughs> That's it. That's okay. We're going to start our own. We're going to be like the Bears. The Bears Club. <laughs> the Bears Club. That sounds... Uh, no, that's not, I'm not good with the names, guys. <laughs> well, it's all right. We'll come up with something. <laughs> Another interesting thing we talked about, because we don't have any of it here, is uh, copper mining. Yeah. I didn't know... I, I honestly didn't know you. they mined copper in the United States. Yeah. I thought it was like South America. Right. Somewhere else. Not here. Because you only hear about gold. And this, well, especially in our area, is only gold. Um, but 
he so he did talk and his what great grandpa great great grandpa yeah was part of the mining the copper mines so one of the things he did um talk about was the strike of the copper mining up there and again good old wikipedia mm-hmm. the copper country strike of 1913 to 1914 was a major strike affecting all copper mines in the copper country of michigan The strike organized by the Western Federation of Miners was the first unionized strike within the Copper Country. It was called to achieve goals of shorter workdays, higher wages, union recognition, and to maintain family mining groups. The strike lasted over nine months, including the Italian Hall disaster on Christmas Eve, and ended with the union being effectively driven out of the... Kiwina? Kiwina Peninsula? It's a Michigan Kiwina. indigenous I'm, people's yeah. uh, name. I know, and I'm going to screw it up. Kiwina Peninsula. While unsuccessful, the strike is considered a turning point in the history of Copper Country, and you looked up what Those, came of that. Yeah, so there was the strike that happened, and it changed things, right? But it was... A lot later in the 50s when there was uh, mining regulations put in place. And he was talking about this, about uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. He signed the Fair Labor Standards Act. Which, I mean, the, the stuff they were asking for really was not unreasonable. No, no. So um, this is like a rough timeline of the Michigan copper mining from 1901 to 1950, so 49 years. This is from the National Park Service website, NPS.gov. Oh, cool. And so it just, uh, it starts at kind of the beginning and the uh, finding of copper in that area. And then it goes into the strikes that happened because um, there was companies, they were refusing to discuss the demands of the union workers, like mm-hmm. you said. They wanted better working conditions. Um, they didn't want people to be hurt or overworked and then there was the so you speak of that the massacre on christmas eve Mm -hmm. um and there is a chief concern introduction was the one-man drill which will shrink the workforce so automating different things Mm -hmm. the michigan national guard arrives uh the copper county to maintain order a shout of fire causes panic during a christmas eve party at the italian hall in calumet the crowd rushes down the steep stairway to the doors, unable to exit fast enough. Those at the bottom are crushed by those Ugh. at the top as everybody's trying to rush out. There was no fire. 74 oh people, God. including 60 children, die in that. 74 people Seven, and 60, 60 of children. those were children. Yeah. Because somebody, somebody was being an asshole. Mm-hmm. So, and that obviously just intensified uh, things that were happening. And the world is changing rapidly. In right. this time mm-hmm. um, you have women's suffrage you have uh different wars that are happening you have the first world war lots of stuff happening in 49 years when you really think about it and break it down mm-hmm. then it just it continues to go over that and obviously we know that mining is incredibly dangerous so this skips forward mining you know kind of comes to the height of its popularity and then we're coming into the great depression mm-hmm and um, October 29th, 1929, known as Black Tuesday, the Wall Street stock market loses $14 billion in value, bringing the loss to the week to $30 billion, 10 times more than the annual budget of the federal government at the time. And a lot of industries, including area copper mines, closed during the Great Depression that follows, even though there was relief efforts. Sound familiar? 
sponsored by the federal government. The downturn in the industry persists until the outbreak of World War II, which is what we talked about with Josh. Yeah. So they were mining and mining and mining. There was a surplus of copper and then nowhere for the copper to go. So with the limited demand, the little demand in low copper prices, other Kuwina companies also suspend operations or dissolve in 1933. Only CNH and the Copper Range Mining Company continue underground mining. Um, after copper prices rise in 1937, the other mines start to resume. But in 1938, President Roosevelt signs the Fair Labor Standards Act, and that law establishes a national minimum wage, guaranteed time and a half for overtime in certain jobs, and prohibits most employment of minors in oppressive child labor. Which are all good things. Yes. So that goes through to change the mining industry yet again. And then we get into World War II. And copper is placed under price price controls to prevent war profiteering in 1941. And four companies on the Kiwina Peninsula continue mining, but they are only able to cover costs. So it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And then by 1945, the oldest active mine in Kiwina stops mining operations after a government contract for copper expires and the demand for copper for the war purposes ends. So it's just that natural progression of yeah, the bad. So there was the strike and then this happened. And now, you know, this is why he's talking about preserving that history and that boom that was happening in that area. Yeah, because it was a good part of the the history right. of that town. Well, you figure that's somebody's entire lifetime. So you imagine like yeah. your father works in the mines. And then you start working in the mines. And then it all starts to go to shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a lot of the industrial revolution and different things like that. Like this happened in Detroit, like the amount of times that this was this thing was happening in Michigan. Yeah, is disgusting. Like the the rise and fall of so much industry in that state. Yeah, it's yeah, it's devastating. It like, is devastating. My grandfather worked in um, the motor vehicle construction and different things. I'm not exactly sure where he worked. But a part of the reason they moved is because plants were closing. Mm-hmm. They moved from Michigan to Minnesota and then out west. Yeah. And then worked at what is, you know, it's like, I think I liken the INL to, it's it's just like this type of thing. Like our area relies so heavily on the employment and the infrastructure that that provides. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's between that and the hospitals. It's, those are the big mm-hmm employment areas and yeah. so and it's leaning it's turning we still have a lot of agriculture but it, every year there's more and more farms that go up for sale because mm-hmm. you just you can't keep up with it no you can't Mm-mm. and that was it wasn't a super uh fact heavy because we talked a lot about josh's personal collections and personal history yeah because it was all his history so it wasn't i mean he would know better than all of us for sure but I mean, he was super fascinating. His tattoos, they're gorgeous, are amazing. And his uh, his page, his Instagram will be linked on our Instagram. Yes. To go look. I can't wait until we can travel. I know. The list of our mm-hmm. to-go places just mm-hmm. keeps getting longer. Which is fine, because after a year of not being able to do anything, <laughs> I'm really looking We're forward never to We're never going to be home. Uh-uh. Nah. Well, I'm getting a sprinkler system, so I have to be home to water. Oh, well, and I do have to put my yard in. So I have to this be is true. Yeah. <laughs> so in 
So we encourage you guys this holiday season, if you can, share your stories with your loved ones. Learn the stories of your loved ones. Even if it's your friends, if you're not close to your family, talk to your friends. Yeah. And also, if you have um, a cool collection, a little knickknack that has a great history to you, write us and tell us about it. We'd love to feature you on um, one of our shows. Yes, we'd love to. Yeah. We love to hear. We've gotten some cool stories in the past. Um, a couple episodes back, we talk about a shrunken head that somebody received. I know, and she needs to get back to me. I need to know we what know they the name. named him. <gasps> Names. I named the porch skeleton. Oh, what did you name? Meredith. Meredith, I love it. Yeah. She's going to get a Christmas outfit, a holiday outfit. Yes. Is she going to get an ugly sweater? I, I think so. It's going to be pretty ridiculous. And I'm going to like zip tie her so she's standing up and waving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I have a Santa hat somewhere I can throw on top of her noodle. Yeah. you. T- I mean, she needs one. Yeah. She can't not have a Santa hat. Nope, That's four not- seasons. Or you could get her like the reindeer ears. Oh, yeah. And her eyes glow red. So technically holiday themed totally holiday totally (laughs) one more step closer to my neighbor children thinking my house is haunted although the last time i came over to sam's to record the neighbor was walking and he was like that thing gets me every time (laughs) yes Yes. i told him i was like yeah it does me too and i know it's there every time That's winning for me. Every time I like see her and I'm just like, what is because she? oh. oh. she's dressed mm. in clothes. Like, damn it, Sam. Yeah, she's yeah, she's dressed to impress. Yeah. To I, you know what I Googled? This is embarrassing. I was like, I need to find an outfit for her. And so I Googled what is the average size of a life size Halloween skeleton? <laughs> it was fruitless. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Nothing came up. So I did the trouble for you guys. Don't google it don't do it guys because it's not out there shockingly no yes so tell us your stories you can submit them directly um in our instagram there's an email Mm -hmm. button you could push that and send us your stories or you can go to the contact tab on our website and submit your stories there yes and everything we talk we'll have pictures of josh's stuff on our instagram totally forgot the rest it's okay (laughs) the mothball prophecies original uh, yeah, so everything's going to be up on our Instagram, uh, the stuff we talked with Josh on our Instagram, the Mothball Prophecies original, and also on our website, themothballprophecies.com. That's right. And we also have a Facebook, Mothball Prophecies. Yeah, so Mothball Prophecies original on Facebook. Yeah. We're not hyperactive on there. No, we're more active on um, the Insta. Instagram. We're trying to get active on Twitter. I just second guess myself. I get snarky and then I'm like, ooh, maybe that's too too mean. (laughs) It's too spicy. So come watch us try and figure out fucking Twitter. Yeah. And maybe I'll get on TikTok one of these days. Yes. And keep your eyes peeled this month. We're getting ready to drop our surprise announcement. Yes. We're very excited. We're working very hard. Very hard. And I hope you guys like it. We're working with Darling Diddy's. Riley we're working with corkscrew curiosities with jasmine and kyla and melissa da of melco leather yes it's a family ordeal yes we're super excited we hope you guys are excited because we're excited Mm -hmm. so get excited thanks for listening and as always i hope you guys find some good shit and i hope you remember to look under the tables yeah bye